Welcome to All Ears at Child's Voice, a podcast discussing all things hearing loss. We aim to connect parents of children with hearing loss with the professionals who serve them. I'm Kim Tashersky, and I'm a developmental therapist for hearing and the teacher of our toddler group here at Child's Voice. My favorite thing about Child's Voice is creating fun thematic environments in my classroom that encourage lots of play. I also love working with families that help them lay the foundation for listening, developing language, and establishing a love for lifelong learning. I also want to let all of our listeners know that our annual golf outing will be online this year. It has already begun. It's from September 9th through the 27th. You can golf anywhere you choose. 18 holes, mini golf, video golf, 9 holes, in the driving range, or even your backyard. Anytime with your friends and family to make a donation to Child's Voice. We will share everyone's fun on social media. There will also be an online auction for the duration of the event. This event supports all the incredible work done at Child's Voice, including this podcast. You can visit our website at www.childsvoice.org to register. Thanks, and now to start the show. Welcome to All Ears at Child's Voice, a podcast discussing all things hearing loss. We aim to connect parents of children with hearing loss with the professionals who serve them. We're your hosts. I'm Tatum Fritz. And I'm Wendy Dieters. So today's a really special episode. We are recording on Zoom, which we have not done before. And we're doing that because Tatum and I are both in our homes in Illinois, and we have a super special guest joining us today that if you're watching this on Zoom, you can see him, but we'll introduce him. Today, we have Derek Coleman, who is the first legally deaf offensive player in the NFL. Derek grew up in California and played college football at UCLA. He began playing for the Seattle Seahawks in 2012 and then played in Super Bowl 48 in 2014. He currently plays for the Arizona Cardinals, and you might remember the inspiring Duracell commercial which aired during the Super Bowl, so we'll be talking more about this experience during the episode. After the Super Bowl, he wrote a book called No Excuses, Growing Up Deaf and Achieving My Super Bowl Dreams, which was published in 2015. Derek continues to be an inspiration to young people with hearing loss and their families. He's created a foundation whose mission is to empower, unite, and advocate for people of all ages who are deaf and hard of hearing. So we are absolutely thrilled to be talking with him today and introducing him to our listeners. So Derek, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, It's a blessing to be able to hear and share my experience and uh, just connect with everybody. Yeah, we're really excited. I think we told you when we first connected a little while ago that the day that you wrote back to Wendy's email reaching out to you, Wendy and I were like freaking out that we were going to get to have you on the show. And we're just excited to have you here. Oh, yeah. And it was one of those things where uh, I played, I put my focus, everything I had into football and making sure I was great at that. And now that that's kind of dying out, I want to put all my energy and focus into making sure that the community that I'm a part of, the community that kind of distanced and everything, we all come back to one, and that's the heart of pain deaf community. And I want to make sure that the confidence is out there, the will, the determination, because in my mind, I was just a nobody just trying to make it in this world, just trying to be the best I could, and then it just took off to a whole nother level. So to be able to share my experience would be uh, awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you. We knew it was a long shot when we emailed you at first, and we were like, 
Let's just try. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. That's the mentality everybody needs to have in life in general. That's right. What's the worst thing you're going to say? No? Okay, you move on. But um, you never want to miss out on an opportunity, and uh, it's a blessing. I mean, I believe everything comes full circle, and everything happens for a reason. So today we'll be talking to you about your journey growing up, entering the NFL, your journey with sports, and then also just about how your hearing loss has played a role in each stage of that journey. So to start off with, could you just tell us a bit about your hearing loss? Yeah, so I actually lost my hearing when I was three years old. wasn't born with it, passed all the hearing tests they had at the time. And uh, about the time I was three-ish, my dad actually took me to the barber. Uh, his name is Bob. And he started chatting with me, you know, when you go to the hair salon or Bobby, the barber want to talk with you. So every time I'm facing him, I was communicating. But every time I wasn't, I wasn't talking to him. He's asking me questions. And so he just asked my dad, like, hey, uh, you ever got a DHS? He okay. So from there, that's when my mom being a nurse and being overprotective, I'm like, okay, wait, something's up. When I got the test and then determined that one of my, either my right or left, to this day I still don't know, but I, I don't want to know because it's kind of fun not knowing. But my left one went, and then within a year, my right one was also progressing. So by the time I was four, I had bilateral hearing loss and was uh, fitted with hearing aids at the time. And it wasn't really so much of an adjustment period so much because I was still three, four years old. But the one thing that did take effect in all of it is I became a mute. I didn't really talk to anybody that was outside of my family because... I started realizing I'm not hearing things. I'm not taking things in like I did as the last year or two. So I'm talking funny. And so for about the first, like, until I was about five, I was keeping to myself. So how I got out of that mainly was two things. One, after I got diagnosed, you know, all the audiologists and doctors at the time were saying, okay, there's multiple different ways you can go about this. You know, you have the uh, special school, special education, learn sign language, or you can mainstream them. And uh, those who don't know what mainstream is when you go through normal school. My parents' thought process at the time was, do we raise him as nothing happened, nothing special, like mainstream, he's going to need extra work attention? Or, okay, he go to sign language and all of that. And their biggest concern was having all of my family have to learn sign language and started just to communicate with me. So they decided to mainstream me. They decided to put me in. And with that, I did a lot of speech therapy all the way up until, I think, eighth grade, which I had speech therapy. And even while I was in there, you never heard... You always heard me talking too much in class or me not doing this or that, but you never heard me not going to speech therapy because... I've always known that I was different, knowing that I was talking, knowing that I had a lift. And from my early age, my mom educated me that, okay, there's a lot of sound that you can't hear. And so there's a lot of sound that you're not saying. If you can't hear, you can't see it. So her just telling me that makes me realize, okay, like I don't want to keep walking around not saying things correctly. So I was always in peace therapy five minutes early, like, you're not even supposed to be here yet. Oh, I'm sorry. And the next thing that kind of helped me get out of being uh, some of me, my parents took me everywhere with them. 
men in everywhere. They forced me in conversation that I did not want to be in. He said hi to you. They didn't say hi to me. She just wanted me to, like, say something. And with that, it's just, of course, being with my brothers. I have an older brother and older sister. Them just treated me the same. They didn't treat me really any different. If I did something wrong, like, I got the same punishment or whatever that they did. If I did something great, I got the same reward. They knew that there was going to be a lot of things that I need help, but my mom was very proactive in the point where she wasn't going to let that become an issue. I can go on and on. My dad has a quote saying, take care of the little thing before they become a big thing. And when he was saying, it's, you want to take care of the little thing, meaning fast forward, we go to class. I'm supposed to be in the front row to let the teacher know. The first time I meet her, to let her know my name, what the problem is, blah, blah, blah. So that way, when it comes up later, we all saying. So if I can't hear you or if you just see me spacing, probably because I couldn't hear you and I didn't want to interrupt you or whatever. When I'm raising your hands, I'm not a question. It's just asking you to repeat it. Maybe I might just raise up two fingers and that just a symbol that, oh, can you just repeat it a second time? But yeah, you take care of the little things so it become a problem. So now, when I come to her later, hey, I didn't hear that. She, no, I'm not making an excuse. She, I came to her prepared and I was ready. So, kind of going back, I've always had progressive hearing loss too. All the way up until I think 11th grade, my hearing was just slowly declining. I'm not exactly sure what the frequency, but it's like low on the graph. And so, at an early age, once I get to you know, 29, 30 years old, I am now that I was going to have to get a cochlear implant. In the last year, I found out that there's some high school kids that are wearing cochlear implants and having helmets. So my biggest thing was I have hearing aids, and the uh, ones I have now are very small, micro, like, but the ones I had when I was growing up were the big bulky ones, we call them the grandfather hearing aids. And as you guys know, the two issues when it comes to playing football and hearing, well, three. First one my mom tried to do was I started playing football in seventh grade. I started playing sports in general since I was young. But my mom's issue was if I get hit, am I going to lose the remaining hearing? We still don't know what caused my hearing loss. We still don't know, like, okay, like, what it came from because I'm the only person in my family that has hearing loss. It's not hereditary. Some doctors think that maybe it's a genetic thing that took effect later. I didn't get sick. It wasn't anything. Uh, it just up and went. So if I get hit, is it going to go? So you want x-rays, MRIs, the whole nine yards. Second, hearing aids is basically like a microphone. So if you put it too close to something, it's going to get all that feedback. Because if I get feedback, I'm going to get a headache like nonstop. So how are we going to eliminate that? And then the last thing, when I deliver a hit or when somebody delivers a hit on me, am I hearing it going to pop out? What am I going to do? Am I going to hear it? Like, uh, because the one thing they wasn't too worried about and most people are wondering is how I'm going to communicate. But they never really had to worry about it because I've already made it up to seventh grade communicating by reading lips. You know, my way of adapting when I lost one of my senses was... Okay, I, I just started finding the linguistics of ling- reading the lips. I was, okay, that's what he said, okay. Because there's a lot of time, that's basically my failsafe. If I can't hear you, yeah, um, as you repeat it, I still can't hear you. I just go straight to you, like, what are you saying? And 
okay, you got a face mask on. How am I going to see? Well, good thing is the quarterback is not exactly using his helmet, so he doesn't need to have all that stuff on his face. So it's always a big gap. All I need to do is see your lips. I don't need to see your whole face. So we tried it out, 7th and 8th grade, and it was great. You know, it, it really started with my mom taking some of her pantyhose and cutting them and making the top to make up a wrap to put over my head so she had two of them one I put over my head underneath my hair and age to keep all my sweat out that was another problem those uh, basketball fans uh, know Shaquille O'Neal I sweat like Shaq at the free throw line so how are we going to eliminate that because it's not like now where ever since I got to the NFL I had multiple pairs before I had one pair that I got every two three years through insurance so what are we doing about that? Um, then we had another pantyhose that went on top of it. So when I got hit, they stayed. And also, that also eliminated the feedback, which was pretty awesome. Um, and that was our main thing. So now the thing was, how do we get the helmet on and off when I need to? It started with me just wearing the helmet nonstop. I put it on, and I didn't take it off till we were on the car ride home. Water break, got to go to the bathroom. I still had it on. Then one of the equipment guys, he was like, okay, what if we give a smaller one so that way you have room to get it on and off? Maybe pull it, get it on. Because the other one, no, if I, no matter what I pull, it's still touching on here. So what if pull it, get it on? Okay. So now I went from having a one-inch jaw pad to a half-inch jaw pad. We took care of the little thing before it came a big thing. Now it just became, can I go out and play football? <laughs> and at the time, which is kind of funny, uh, first two weeks of me ever playing tackle football, I decided I wanted to play quarterback. So that was the most awesome time of my life, but it was also the most miserable time of my life. Because I barely know what I have to do. Now you want me to know what everybody else has to do? And on top of everybody trying to run and sack me? Yeah, that's not happening. So... End up swapping position and just, I think it was for football, it was more my sense of purpose, my sense of belonging, uh, knowing that they don't really, okay, he can hear, though, that's not an issue. Okay, come out here and let's all play. Now, everybody just wants to have fun and enjoy what life has to offer. Yeah, well, it sounds like both of your parents have taught you a lot about advocacy, and that's translated into being able to play football and advocate for yourself when it comes to playing football. What about in the school setting? How was that like advocating for yourself with like teachers or maybe when interacting with other kids? It was rough, as every kid would say, but it wasn't... My dad always say, like, chips and sports. I always go back and forth to sports and sports. Started off, my dad always say, like, uh, yeah, they're good, but they're not unbeatable. Everybody in sports is beatable. Mike and Jordan, uh, to Kobe Bryant, to LeBron James, to any sport, everybody is beatable in life. And that goes to everything in life. So that was the way. My dad always thought in quotes to keep me going. So at an early age, my biggest problem wasn't so much... Uh, learning the material you put a book in front of me i read it i love it especially math chemistry like everything specific so nothing really changes my biggest problem so much was communicating 
No, even when I heard things, I wasn't communicating it like back that I heard you right or I wasn't saying things right. So let's go back to the beginning. From my early age, I used to get in trouble from my mom's teacher saying, oh, he's not being engaged or something like that. And if I ever go home and my excuse to my mom was, oh, I'm so, I didn't hear the teacher say that, I was in trouble. I got grounded. I got all of that because... That was her way of saying that, okay, you didn't hear it. Why didn't you raise your hand and repeat it? Why didn't you talk to her? What is all of those situations? And at the time, I'm I'm just a shy little kid that's just trying to get along, just trying to get through these times or whatever. So I didn't have the confidence that I needed. One of the things that I learned now is that I didn't never, well, I learned about a couple of years ago, I never met a deaf adult until I got to um, middle of high school. I didn't even meet other kids in the same school as me until I got to high school, so I had hearing loss. So I didn't really see that. I've always kind of shied back. I was like, if I didn't hear, I was like, okay, let me shy back. I'll figure it out later, make sure my team, my classmates or whatever wasn't like looking at me funny. Uh, because I'm always asking, hey, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? And that's where, as I mentioned earlier, that's where my mom became my advocate. That's where my mom became saying, hey, there's two things. You cannot be shy. Like, you, the cards that you were dealt, it, you can't afford to be shy. Like, if you can hear something, you have to, excuse me, what you say? Like, you'll say it in the most respectful way, maybe when the time is right. If it's not right, she taught me the whole nine yards thing. You cannot be shy. And that correlates to over to because you can't be shy, you have to be proactive in everything you do. You can't just wait. No, because they might call on you not hearing. They don't know that you're hard of hearing. So for them, it's almost like, oh, why didn't he let me know? You ever have somebody that late, five minutes late or 10 minutes late and it's like, man, if you just would have let me know, we would have been fine. Like, no problem. But now I'm over here in my head. So my mom told me that's going to happen in everyday life. That's not going to happen just in the classroom. So my mom was teaching me about life to the point where it got to, I think, junior high. For the first time, I'm having to deal with multiple teachers. Every every period is a different teacher. So, And that, I mean, that was a challenge. I think I said halfway through to my seventh grade year, only half of the teachers knew and understood. I was just trying to get away with it, even though it was... I loved it in fifth and sixth grade. I still didn't have it. So if it wasn't for my support system, my mom, my dad, just being staying proactive and just uh, just checking on, hey, uh, so he's been using his FN system, right? He told you he has hard of hearing, had to sit in the front row. And then they would be like, oh, no, he's been sitting in the back. Like, maybe that's why. Like, the whole nine yards. And that's when you just see me sitting in the chair like, uh... Well, at junior high, I kind of progressed, and I started realizing that they're there to help me because I've always thought that because I'm the only one in my family, because I'm the only one that has hearing loss that I know, I didn't really meet anybody. I always thought I was going through something that nobody can relate to, nobody can go through. So I had to go about my own way. Okay, I'm going to go this way. Like You guys are telling me to go this way, but you don't even know what I'm really going through. I have an older brother and older sister, and there was some time where I felt like I was the only child. So as junior high started going on, I started making friends. I started playing basketball a lot at, um, during lunch to the point where I had pants on 
and I have shorts underneath my pants every day. So at lunchtime, I can just take my pants off, go hoop, then <laughs> put pants back on. But everybody that was out there was always loving. I started realizing that, man, nobody really cares. They just, everybody's different. Me being a lip reader, I'm also a people watcher. And I have a phrase that I repeat all the time <laughs> to everybody. My coach repeated to me when I did something uh, wrong in practice. He said, you're saying yes with your mouth, but you're saying no with your feet. You know, he asked me, did you run that route right? And I was like, yeah, I did. But your feet are telling me a different language. So I watch people like your body language. And that comes with also just being hard of hearing deaf, even if I learn sign language, uh, facial expression, body language, all of that. So me watching the way people react when they have find out I have hearing loss, it kind of makes them uncomfortable. How, what, what do I need to do and all that? Opposed to me, if I just, okay, I have hearing loss, but it doesn't, like, you know, every now and then I might need, if I'm proactive, I let them know. Even my friends, it's not just school, it's even my friends. My best friends all to the day are my linemen in high school, but it, two of them didn't even know I had hearing problems. They saw something in my ear, but they didn't really know, so they just said, hey, he, all right, whatever. Like, they just kept going. Then they finally asked me, like, random, oh, what's that in your ear? I'm like, you know me too much and you still don't know? But that's because I'm going about life with just confidence. Like, hey, I said, we all just want to have fun. I'm not using my hearing as an excuse. I'm just saying, oh, there may be times where I need you to repeat something, or if I don't reply to you, I'm not trying to be mean or not mad at you. I just probably just didn't hear you say anything. If we're up front, if we're not shy, as my mom said, the sky's the limit, honestly. I was a shy kid, and I'm still pretty shy. It takes me a bit to like speak <laughs> up for myself. <laughs> so that's still very impressive, and to have your family you know, really supporting you and keeping you accountable, too, because I know that, um, you know, it's hard to be that outspoken all the time, too, that it, like you said, that it can come up every day in daily life that you need to be outspoken. Yeah, I understand when I talk to kids, I see them, okay, you can't be shy, and and it it, it is an effort. It is overwhelming sometimes. Even now, I'm not a big party guy. I always think, man, maybe I'm just an introvert and all that. I'm opposite of it. Yeah, I like to chill, watch movies. I go to movie theater by myself, but I'm always on the go. I like to do things, go mountain bike riding, this or whatever. But the reason why I've never been a party guy, never been a club guy, because when I get there, I don't really hear the music. Like, there's times where I go to the restaurant and my lady starts dancing. Don't you hear this song? And, And I'm like, no, I don't. I hear, like, I know music or something playing, but I can't clarify it. So that's kind of how, so if people want to talk, they want to uh, mingle, you know, chat up and all that. And it, it makes life already hard. I'm already having to do that in every, just everyday life regardless. Even now, I'm 29 years old and still, uh, not, you know, I do it every now and then, but that's a lot of work. I understand it. But as one of my coaches always said, I said yes to the goal. And my goal was I wanted to be able to hear. I wanted to be able to, as my mom say, I like to be nosy. I wanted to know what's going on in the world. I wanted to be able to communicate and have different conversations with everybody. And I can't do that unless I have my hearing aids on at all times. I'm in a somewhat quiet setting. 
So that brings it over to, okay, you play football with 100,000 people trying to scream at you. And you just say you don't like going to a club, so what's up? But as I mentioned you guys earlier, I read lips. That's always been my go-to. When we're at the bar and everything, there's so much going around. You're not, like, people drink, they're just already a lot. But when I'm on the field, it's just different. It's just me, 10 other guys going for one goal. We all practice it. We all know it. Whenever I'm with, everybody knows my problem. And everybody, if anybody else has a problem, we know theirs, whether it's injury, whether it's hurt, whatever it is. Um, so we're all trying to help each other collectively one goal. But it goes back to me reading lips. Um, go back to Seattle. I was playing with Russell Wilson, the quarterback. And from the first day I met him, I said, hey, Russell, I'm Derek Coleman. Um, I have hard of hearing. I wear hearing aids in my, at all times. But so if you ever get up on a line or anything, I'm always reading your lips. So you never have to worry about doing anything after. The only thing I say is uh, sometimes I might repeat it back to you. That just to clarify that I heard the same, right? It's not me doubting myself or anything. I also tell them that if you ever change the play and it's not something that we rehearsed at practice or you said in the huddle, most of the time I'm right behind you. 90% of the time I'm right behind you. So all you got to do is turn and say it. Say it normal. You don't even have to yell it because I'm reading your lip. If you ever see me run up and grab you, I'm not trying to harm you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to make sure we're on the same page because if I'm off page and all of you guys are on page, we'll fail. At that point, you know, it's the National Football League, so he knows that I can play. He knows that I've gotten here so far. It's just a matter of going out there and practicing and proving it to them. Once you do that, we never had an issue. There have been times, I remember we were playing the 49ers, and it was at home, and we're trying to make it known, crowd is just being loud. Seattle Seahawks has the loudest stadium, arguably next to Arrowhead in Kansas City. And it's just loud. And I remember he changed it to something. And I remember something earlier in my career. And it actually took me all the way up until, I think, my second year in uh, NFL. Not college, not high school. To me to fully realize it. If I didn't hear it, chances are the person behind me or somebody else didn't hear it. Which is crazy because my mom used to tell me that all the time in classroom and all that. If you didn't hear, the percentages are pretty high that somebody else didn't hear too. So you're also helping somebody else. You're being an advocate for you and them. For the ones that, as Tatum said, she was shy. She wouldn't be able to raise her hand. Can you repeat that? But I have to... One, that she said, you can't be shy. Just in the discussion. You want to be friends and all that. Like You can't be shy. So, yeah, it correlates. So it's like, if you didn't hear it, and I think I had the footage somewhere. And it basically me going up to the uh, thing. But I remember seeing it the next day. We're watching film. And the running back behind me also ran up, too, because he didn't hear it. He was like, wait, what did he say? He so that was like, man, you got great hearing and everything. And... I, I somewhere heard him, but I wanted to clarify. You didn't even hear it at all. So that kind of made me, okay, now I, like, I need to take this to the next level. Then we end up winning the Super Bowl. The uh, commercial came out. That's really what I will talk about. I have my foundation because I wanted to let these kids know, one, they're not alone. Like, every, everything that you've been through in life, somebody else been through before, probably me. And two... 
you can't be shy because you're probably going to be an advocate for somebody else who has that same problem, somebody else who really don't have that support system and everything, and it's a domino effect. Yeah. It really is. I wonder, I was just going to say, these, you know, all these things that you're saying, I wonder if they make you an even better player than other people, right? Like, you're so focused. Like, anyone that can tune out a whole football stadium full of people and just focus on what's in front of you, like, that's a talent that I wonder if not every other player has. And that's such a cool thing for parents of kids with hearing loss to hear that, like, their kid has these abilities that are exceptional, because of their hearing loss. And just like you're saying, you're not only advocating for yourself, but you're helping other people. I wonder if parents never even thought of that. So it's it's really cool for, you know, families oh, yeah. of kids with hearing loss to hear this. And that's kind of one of the reasons why, one of the biggest things you kind of brought it to my attention is, me being a wild child and all that, you know, you take me two years old, running in the grocery store um, and everything. My dad always tried to get me quotes, try to get my mind working. And I'd be grounded or something. We're driving home from a daycare and he'd be a what city are we in? And I'm, okay, I'm in elementary school. I started looking around, but I'm, I don't know. And then the next day he'll have it. But really, long story short, what he's trying to teach me is I have to keep my head on the swivel. I can't hear the things that everybody else can't hear. If I'm ever driving later on down the road, like a police comes up or a, a ambulance or a fire truck or something, somebody's honking, I'm not going to be able to hear that everyday thing. I walk into a bar or setting and everything. If something goes down and everybody needs to escape, where's the nearest fire escape? Or it's like, you know... I, my eyes have to basically be my backup as lip reading is. And so me just keeping my head on a swivel, what does that correlate to? Football. I'm, I was a running back and transitioned to fullback. But the whole point of the running back is to get the ball and get to the end zone without being tackled. I have to be able to see where all these guys are. I have to be able to, okay, they're trying to get me from this. But I don't have to, like, train myself because I've already been trained as a kid to just do it naturally. But one of the greatest things about hearing loss that I can always say and everybody always, you guys heard it multiple times, we have selective hearing. I can turn my hearing aids (laughs) off whenever I want. You you know what? Click, click. I got this. I got this. You know? And it's just because of that, that's the upbeat of it. But that also took, you know, I'm, I'm doing a test in class and people finish and started chopping. It was too loud. I turn it off. Focus. You know, I have that option. Um, but at the end of the day, with every disadvantage, with every something, you always can make it to an advantage. 100%. And, or if you can't, look at all the bright sides. You know, my hearing isn't coming back. This is the hand I would dealt with. How Okay, I'm not going to dwell on thinking that. I'm going to keep going. How do I get over this? What's the next step? Uh, what do I got to do in order to be successful in whatever the next chapter in life is? Yeah, that's really interesting. One thing that you mentioned a while back that I wanted to follow up on, but it kind of goes hand in hand with your foundation, is I think you mentioned you hadn't met another person with hearing loss until you were in high school. So what's your connection to the deaf community now? And how has that kind of changed you? Like, what kind of impact has that had on you to have a bigger connection with the deaf community? 
myself in the deaf community, I'm basically intermingling right now and trying to make myself known, trying to make sure that the hard of hearing kids now are growing up and seeing that, okay, just because you have a problem doesn't mean that you have a chain on your ankle. You can't go anywhere. You can keep going. Like you're free. You're just going to be need some things that help you out. But all the way up until about high school, I had an audiologist named Nancy, and she was the one to make sure I had working with my mom, make sure I had my FM system, make sure the teachers know. She worked for the Fullerton School District. And so once I got to college, you know, I don't really need an audiologist, you know, because she's working with the district. So kind of good. But I always stay close with her because literally the first day, I'm a first generation college student, you know, I went to UCLA. My parents went to college later on in life. And as soon as I get there, I remember playing football, okay, you know, doing the whole introduction. And about halfway through my freshman year, Nancy called my mom, and then my mom hit me and was like, hey, we think it's great that you're playing football. You got a full-ride scholarship at a D1 school. Uh, you're also hard of hearing. It would be great to come back to a local high school. And you just talk to a couple kids, um, you know, about your experience, just relate to them. And so, without any question, I was like, yeah, no problem. When So we went to Catella High School, which is in uh, Anaheim, California, right next to Disneyland, actually. And it was about five or six. It's, it, I remember it's possible. It about five or six kids and their parents. They had some pizza. We went there during lunch break. And really, we were just talking to him and... That was the first time when I felt that I was even, okay, this is a community, like, you know, this is, they're all looking at me as a big figure, and I'm still looking at everybody else, looking up to everybody else, like, oh, I'm, I'm just a nobody, I, just, I made it to college, man, and like, I, I didn't even thought I'd be able to do that, so... Uh, that's when I felt like, okay, maybe we are one. Because everything that the, all the problems that Nancy was telling me that they were having, all of their faces, the, the expression that they're showing, I felt almost every one of them before, uh, whether I was their age or now. So that's when I was like, okay. After that whole session, I looked at Nancy and was like, let me know when's the next one. When can we keep this going? Because I wanted to make sure that one, I wanted to see more people, but I also wanted to see it in my peers. Uh, two, I also wanted to let the kids know, like, hey, I made it to college. You can. I mean, like, honestly, it really isn't that hard. <laughs> you just they, they test you on what you're reading in the book and your knowledge of it. Honestly, that's it. It's, um, like, it had nothing really to do with the fact that you can't really hear that well. I got to college, and that was the greatest thing because I ended up having a note taker. Because my biggest thing is I can't take notes I can't listen what you say take notes put my head down and then look back because everything you're saying while my head down it's just my my fail state that I just had reading lips is gone so like you said once you get to college it actually became easier for me because it was the structure was there so uh, get to college doing that make it to the NFL the long route of course Oh, FYI, you kind of introduced me saying, you know, started in the NFL 2012 uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. Trivia fact, I actually started with Minnesota Vikings uh, right out of college, and then that didn't work out. I had a toe after the third preseason game at home for a few months, then went to Seattle. And then when I was in Seattle, they actually just brought me in as a practical player. I was still running back, 
And so I was like, oh, yeah, had me for the rest of the season uh, through playoffs the following year, signed me to a contract, a future contract. And halfway through the beginning of that year, I said, hey, we want to move your position. Move me from running back to fullback. So I went from running away uh, from people to running to people. Which also changed my mom's fear too because now I'm doing a lot more hitting. Now my hearing aids are a lot more involved. Which actually really didn't, you're not supposed to hit with your head, you're supposed to use your shoulders. So that helped me out. But as I made the team, just having a great year in 2013, Duracell uh, came and they was like, hey, we heard you have a great story. We think it would be great with the campaign. And the first thing I said was to my media relations guy was, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that free hearing aid. That free hearing aid batteries. Oh, yeah, those things are expensive. So I'm thinking free batteries, like my remote control. I'm never going to have to worry about nothing. And uh, so as we started talking, my main focus, even then, was, okay, I, my main audience I want is to make sure it's the heart of fame deaf community because that's ultimately, like, if you're going to put me out on a big screen or something, that. I want to make sure that they see the as well. So it, we end up doing it within a filming everything within 24 hours, a week later doing the voiceover. And it became something that I couldn't even fathom. It gave me chill because it wasn't so much of my own little commercial or nothing like that. It was just that maybe that was the first time I realized, okay, I just overcame a lot of stuff. I overcame a lot of barriers. And... I was proud that I showed the other kids that, hey, like this is a small percentage of people already make it to the NFL. Now you want to take a, a Hall of Fame that guy and make it to the NFL. So when it blew up, the foundation was also created because I wanted to make sure I stay in touch with the deaf community. I, I realized that it wasn't actually just touching the Hall of Fame deaf community. It was touching everybody who's ever dealt with any obstacles, anybody who's ever overcome struggle. And anybody who's ever had the percentages way against them. My mentality was, everybody keep asking me, how did you do it, man? Like, I just don't get how did you do it. And I was just, I just wanted to be better and I was just being me. I was just going to be me. I didn't make any excuses for it. Like, when you really, really want something in life, you're going to find a way to get it done, no matter what. Um, you know, think back to when you were a kid, you really wanted that Barbie doll. You really wanted that PlayStation or whatever. You did whatever you possibly could to make sure your parents saw that I'm being good. Like, let me get it. But mind you, when you flip it around, when you go to your parents told you, hey, take out the trash or do your chores. You made every excuse in the book not to do it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you really want something, you'll find a way. That's the mentality that we have to have just in life. That's the mentality that I my mom told me I couldn't be shy. I said that I don't have a choice but to do that, you know. And as hard as it is, that's, that's why I want to teach these kids. Uh, and these hard of kids, even the hard of adults. And said, this is the hand we're dealt, you know. And in order to be, like, we can dwell on it and sit here and watch the world pass it by. Or we can make the best of it. And just by being the best you can possibly be every day and not making any excuses. Every barrier I come across, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go around it. I'm going to go over it. I'm not about to sit there and just admire it and like let it defeat me. So, yeah, I've always tried to make sure that they've seen it. And that's kind of why I made, uh, I was able to, after we won the Super Bowl, all, all the great stuff, I was approaching, able to make a book. 
um, they were saying, hey, we want to write a book about your life and everything. And I was happy about it because so, not so much to making the book. Again, it was, I keep getting so many things. So how do you do this? How do you do that? How did you do that? Asking my parents to have a book just that they can just read it, just explaining me sitting here, explaining my life, explaining what I've been through, and explaining the different paths that I wish I could have taken, wish I didn't. As a self-help book, I wasn't trying to make the, you know, uh, New York bestseller and all that. I was just trying to have a self-help book for these kids. Like, hey, how did you do this? I'm going to tell them, hey, I got this book out here, and it, I made it just for you. You know, all the proceeds for the No Excuse book, that's right behind me, actually, beautiful. All of that proceeds go to the foundation. You know, I'm not trying to make a profit of it. I I made the foundation of the line to make sure that once I'm done, once I'm like, keep going, it had the thing. When people see it, oh man, like, they're coming the first Super Bowl champ, first legally death Super Bowl champ. Wait, he was definitely on a Super Bowl? Wait, how did that work? So just that already will keep people's mind working. If he did that, then ain't no talent. What can keep going? And there's a lot of great things in life to do. And I think uh, as a harder parent deaf community, the more things I, more times I be associated with it, the biggest thing that I see is the fear. And it's just fear of the unknown, basically. You know, nobody, they don't, they know, okay, it, uh, if I go out there, how is that going to be? Like, uh, they're going to make fun of me? Are they going to see my hand aids and not want to socialize? Are they going to, like, not want to play? Like, kids are having that issue. So, to be able to show them, to be able to see, show them and be on social media now or whatever. And just be like, hey, I'm doing everything. No, I'm, I'm going out riding bikes. I'm doing everything. I'm socializing. You know, maybe later I'll start doing some interviews with former players, former classmates on how, how was it like? I want to get your perception. What's your thought process? Because when I was a young kid, I was so worried about your thought process. Now I want to actually get it so these kids can understand what their friends are thinking of as well. Um, you know, or get uh, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, the guys that I play with, and just get, uh, sit them down. Man, we was in the trenches with a hundred thousand people. The green man didn't even want to, they just wanted to eat our head off. Like, you knew I had hearing loss. You knew all of that stuff. What was your thought process? Like, what was your thought process when you first met me? How are you going to deal with this? And we was in the, so they see, oh man, like, they, maybe really, because I talked to a few of them, and they all say, like, they really don't care. Everybody has problems, but when we get into a white line, when we all try to get to one goal, everything else don't matter. As long as everybody's trying to go to the same goal. We're all trying to win a football game. My teachers and myself were trying to make sure I get A and go on to college, or when I was in college, make sure I graduated college in the best possible way. At the end of the day, we're trying to make sure that I can hear. And as long as we have all that dialed in, okay, let's go. Like, let's go have some fun. That's what I'm taking from all of them, right? There's, we all have something we want to worry about. No, we always have. So as a hard of hearing kid, as a hard of hearing teenager and adult and everything, that's the number thing I always tell kids. Be yourself, meaning be the best you can possibly be every day. Be better today than you was yesterday and be better tomorrow than you was today. And then with that, don't make any excuses in life. You can't. 
thinking back to all the time you made excuses in the past, yeah, you got away with a lot. I mean, some people did, some people didn't. But at the end of the day, did it really get you what you really wanted? Did it really get your ultimate goal of uh, being the best basketball player, being the best father, being the best football player, or whatever your goal is, being the best teacher, whatever your goal is in life, you know? You can't make any excuses doing it, and as hard and if you're hard of hearing like that, you really can't make any excuses. And that's where you can't be shy. Derek, you're amazing. Ah, no, no, I'm just uh, preaching what I've lived. I'm preaching what I live. <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, it's really you're really inspiring. It's really great. I think for other kids to hear your voice and hear your story. It is really important. We always, you know, to us, to to me and Tatum, and maybe to you now. Hearing loss is such a big part of our lives because it's it's what we do, but it is a, a smaller community. We call it this low incidence need because, you know, it's one to three children and every thousand are born with hearing loss. But to have representation from people like you is really important and it's really cool. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, one of those where I also tell them, I think somebody told me not to tell these people, like somebody told me like, hey, if uh, you was over there broke, struggling, and if some millionaire came up to you and said, hey, man, you need to save your money. And that guy came from old money. He always had money. Family always had money. You're going to look at him and be like, oh, okay. Man, maybe, okay, whatever. But if you have somebody, a millionaire come up to you that's, lost all his money, and then got it back through hard work, dedication, and tell you, hey, man, you need to save your money, you need to do this, this, and that, you're more than likely going to listen to him because you can relate to him. You can see, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, I didn't really meet a deaf adult or see a deaf adult um, until I got to high school. Marley Matlin is an Academy Award actress um, that I had a chance to meet, and she... Completely left. Like, with hearing aid, barely signed and everything. And when I met her, I'm like, it's crazy. I made it in the NFL world. I never thought, like, somebody can do that in the acting world. Like, even I'm still being shocked and amazed of the what we can accomplish, all the people that are doing. We have this Heart of Pain Death DJ and that I met uh, back when, I think, 2013. Uh, just do networking, and I was talking. He can hear with uh, hearing aid, but I'm like, man, you got the vocals, you got all of that, and like he said, it's all about preparing. Like what I was telling you guys earlier, taking care of the little thing before they become a big thing. Good thing about hearing um, loss and everything is we hear the bass, we hear the feeling, the vibration. That's a lot. When I listen to music. Like you go in my car, you might put some earplugs in because I got three subwoofers that is just boom, because I feel it. That's what I'm looking for. I take my hand aids out if I have to. And that's what he's doing. The vocals and all that, he take care of that before. He knows what he's going to do at home. He like practiced it multiple times. But somebody was questioning, like he, he preparing himself. So there's always ways around it. Like every barrier, there's different things to bring it concurrent. And one of the biggest things that and collars to keep me going, and of course, this uh, whole uh, hard time now. Is we had President Obama as the president, you know, the first black president. Like, I'm not looking at it as oh, hard of hearing. I'm looking at it as the barriers that are going to happen in life. And every, no matter whether you're uh, hard of hearing, whether you're black, whether you're white, or whether whatever your situation is, there's always going to be barrier. And our mind state is. To be true to who you are, be you, and be the best you can be. There's times where 
I'm playing in a football game. I'm sick. Uh, this whole time we thought Jordan had the flu game. It was really pizza and it was the best game he ever had or playoff game. It really, I am like the people always say give 110%. Okay, that's a good saying, motivation. Me, I give everything you have. If you only have 70%, give me all that 70%. If you only have 80%, give me everything you have. Give everything you have to whatever you're doing. It's sometimes, I'm not feeling it. But I'm not going to make an excuse and pass. I'm just going to give it what I have, everything. Because nine times out of ten, that could just be enough. That could just be what gets you over there, gets you to that next level. So, yeah. <laughs> Derek, what else? What is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, just telling the life story, just telling, telling my experience as I go, kind of what the No Excuse book is. I'm 29 years old. I still think I'm young. You're young. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But it, 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 I'm 29 years old, and I'm still learning a lot, you know. But what everything that I've been through in life, I know that using football as a platform, using Duracell, the whole commercial, I'm in a position to help. And I always say, if I talk to 100 kids, if I get to one of them, that's good enough for me. Because I know that one kid might end up becoming great, overcoming the barriers, opening doors that nobody thought can be opened by that person. And he's going to make that domino effect and inspire one person. Because I feel like the best way we can inspire is by the way we live and by the way we act. As I said, you know, we can say yes with our mouth, but with our body and our action and our, our conviction, that's how we say yes. And... I know me being out socially, one of the biggest things I do is I hate social media. Like, I, I think it's a double-ended sword. I love it, you know, but, you know, I, I've never really been that type to be a role model. You know, like, oh, you're a big role model. And one of the biggest things I tell people is I'm not, I don't like to be still a role model, I like to be still a mentor. You know, I'm just trying to tell these kids, hey, these are the mistakes I made. These are the great things that I did to be successful, maybe to overcome the mistakes. I mean, everything is still your choice. You know, I want to see you succeed. And, you know, that's all I can do and be consistent with it. So, you know, role models always, (laughs) you got to be on the narrow, straight and path. And, you know, as a young kid, I'm still learning. You know, I think I talked to a, a seminar full of like 300 or so I think it was the Walmart Corporation or something a few years back. And I'm looking in the crowd and everybody is way older than me. I'm like, what? Am- <laughs> Normally I'm telling them, like, how to live the life. You got to have confidence. And I realized that it's not really that. It's just, like I said, it's a conviction of me just telling them, like, this is what I did. Like, I, I defied all odds by making the NFL and being hard of hearing and death. So if I did it and I'm just a guy that came from the same background as 99% of Americans, then what makes you think that you can't do it? Well, I know you said you're not, you don't love social media, but maybe you can tell everybody how they can find out more about you, where they can follow you, how we can get your book. Now I love social media, yeah. you know, because I know how to do it and everything. Yeah. One of the biggest things as well, too, is I always see people posting. I'm a very humble guy. My mom raised me is that uh, go a touchdown, celebrate with your teammate, go. You never make it all about you. So 
me even wearing this shirt that I just made, that just kind of feel weird because I'm promoting myself, but I'm promoting the cause, you know, the way you go about it. I'm like, I don't want to ever be like, hey, here I am, look at me. So, but now that I've been educated and everything, I'm, I'm definitely on Instagram I, at dlc.jr5. I'm on Facebook as well. I have a Facebook page and then I have a normal Facebook, Derek Coleman Jr. RB. And then I also have a foundation, No Excuse Foundation, No Excuse Without the S in the middle. And I'm still working on that one, actually, right now. So you can be able to see interviews. I'm going to start playing some of my old clips from when I was playing. You're going to see the angles that the NFL is seeing. You know, just kind of show the kids that, hey, I was doing this. Hey, uh, maybe one of the plays who I couldn't hear and I had to run up so they could see that. You know, so that'll be going through the website. Maybe do some football camp later or maybe uh, just sport camp, you know, bring a lot of hard of hearing kids, but also bring hearing kids. You know, I want to be able to bridge that gap because at the end of the day, so that way when they bridge that gap, the hard of hearing kids get that confidence. And then the hearing kids also get the confidence that, hey, like, you know, we don't never got to use an excuse. They know that they're the same. We all have the same goal. Like, we're just born different. We just turned out different. Some people need glasses, some people need hearing aids, some people need Adderall for ADHD, ADD, like this. everybody has something. We're all just trying to have fun and laugh. That's all we're trying to do in life and be successful. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of really cool things planned for your foundation. So the way we like to close out usually is asking if you have any general advice, either for our listeners or also with your experience. It'd be interesting to hear like if you have advice for coaches or teachers working with kids who have hearing loss? I feel like it's the same. Everything that I, I preach is always the same. It be you. Be the best that you possibly be. Man, everybody, all the audiologists, all the parents, you know, it, just the fact that you two are working with hard fans, you guys want um, to work and uh, with them, that already shows a lot. You know, that already knows that the will is there, the determination is there. When it comes with the kids, I mean, just being persistent, you know. Some people say, oh, you got to have patience and everything. But if I look back into my life, the way my mom was, the way she was very persistent with me and didn't let me use it as an excuse, the things that she was the patient on was, yeah, okay, like, I want him to be an advocate for himself. Okay, maybe I need to help. I need to show him the way. I need to, like, but she was always in there. She never, oh, when he got comfortable, okay, I'm really going in there. I thought she was nagging me about it, but little did I know, she was really just trying to make sure that, okay, this is the standard. That's just nothing below this. She made me, of course, I'm a son and everything. She made me feel special in every different way, but at the same time, that mentality that I'm nobody special, that's what she thinks. You're nobody special. Everything you're going through, somebody had been through before. Meaning that you got to be careful the way you sense a lot of kids, but... You're trying to make sure that, hey, like, all you're doing is going through some troubles. All you're doing is going through trials and turbulence. So all you have to do is make sure that they have the support system. They have, they know that you're there for 100%. As anybody that's going through hard times wants. You know, nobody wants to go through hard times alone. And as I'm noticing now, just making sure that they stay out of their head a lot. (laughs) Uh, because now as I'm growing, I think I noticed it in the last few months, actually, 
growing up, as I mentioned earlier, I sometimes felt like I was the only child. I felt like I was the only one going. So I was in my head a lot. I was thinking, oh, maybe that person don't like me. Maybe this thing. Maybe I can't do that. Maybe. So when you stay out of your head, make sure they have the confidence to just, okay, don't don't make it in your head. Stay it. I'm here for you. What, what do you have? Hey, do that person like me? Should I? Can I be friends with them? Would I be? They have the confidence to bring it out. The reason I'm saying that now is because it, when you're in your head, you don't really think clearly. You're not thinking of all the other things. Like, there's some people when they, they can be sitting there, and you thinking they're having a bad day, but no, that's just the basic expression. They could be lost in a sock. So, don't based on that. Cause like I said, we look at facial expression. If you don't look welcoming and all that, you're not. We don't just so stay out of your head. Hey, how you doing? My name is Derek. Hey, how you doing? This is this. Hey, you want to go? I'm just going to ask. If they say no, yeah, don't be shy. And that's the biggest thing that you guys, that I, that teacher, that parents can tell the kids that don't be shy. Because the best of them are going to come out. Like, my mom didn't have to teach me how to be great. Oh, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. When we're able to travel again and you're ever in Chicago, you have to come visit us. Oh, 100%. We would love that. Oh, yeah. I, I've only been to Chicago once. I shoot the play, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was uh, we stayed right there in downtown, and uh, we, uh, it kind of reminded me of New York a little bit with the train trash and like underneath. And, uh, I was, was kind of hoping I'd get a hot dog or something. <laughs> Well, next time you come to Chicago, we'll definitely buy you a a hot dog. Sound good to me. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I think our listeners and especially like the parents that listen to our show are really going to appreciate everything that you shared with us. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thank you, Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. And this is our very first episode that we've recorded over Zoom. And we're so excited for um, our listeners to not only be able to hear this episode, but also watch it. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of All Ears at Child's Voice. Be sure to join us for our next episode. Right now, we are not sticking to a set schedule with everything going on, but we are aiming to release one episode a month. So we encourage you to subscribe to the show so you don't miss our next episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Wendy Dieters SLP, and you can find Tatum at Tatum Fritz SLP. You can also email us at podcasts at childsvoice.org. And if you'd like to hear your voice on the show, you can send us your feedback in a voice memo using your phone's voice memo app. If you need help with that, there is a link in our show notes that will explain how to make a voice memo using an iPhone or an Android. You would just email us that voice memo to podcasts at childsvoice.org. You can find show notes and episode transcripts on our website, childsvoice.org backslash podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about Child's Voice, Child's Voice is on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram with the handle at child's underscore voice, no apostrophe. And then we didn't say this earlier, but we'll also link all of Derek's social media in the show notes. And where you can buy his book and, and everything so you can follow him and we'll definitely try to keep in touch as much as we can. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode next month. Be sure to visit the Child's Voice website and check out our virtual golf outing and support all of their excellent programs.